So today we're going to think about what the Bible tells us about giving and about generosity, very important uh, issues here. Let's go back to basics. Let's go back to first principles. Um, Andrew, could we please have, oh, you've, you've beaten me to it. Thank you very much. And it's up there as well. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So these are the words of Jesus from Matthew. Okay. I'm wearing my reading glasses, you see. So um, I could, can't quite read that. Yeah. Okay. Let's read out of here. So. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Excuse me. So there are some fundamental truths, some basic important truths which run throughout the Bible all the way from Genesis to Revelation. You get these underpinning fundamental truths, um, which are the basis for everything that the Bible teaches. And one of those fundamental truths is love you know that um as the bible teaches us how we should live our lives how should how we should behave towards one another this is a really important basic truth that we should love the lord with all of our heart not just some of our heart but all of our heart with all of our soul and we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Well, yeah, it's the person who lives in the same street as you. And of course, it's the people you live with. So, sorry, the people you work with, uh, the people you meet at the bus stop, the people you meet in the shop. These are all your neighbors. Um, and of course, it's the people we minister to on the soup run. It's the people we minister to. Some of you are involved with CAP. Some of you are involved with all the works that the church does. Your neighbor is the people that we minister to. And especially, your neighbor is refers to your brothers, your sisters, the fellow members of your church. These are your neighbors. So, the basic principle, which I think underlines everything here, when we think about giving, when we think about generosity, it's love. It's all about love. First and foremost, it's not about the money. First and foremost, it's about love. Could we go on to Matthew 6, please, Andrew, um, verse 19? Okay. 
Let's read from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 for me is the, the punchline, as it were. It's the critical verse. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in other words, what you do with your treasure, what you do with your money, it indicates where your heart really is. So Jesus is saying, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus is just saying, don't be materialistic. Jesus is saying, don't love money. Because if you love money, you'll never have enough money. No matter how much money you get, you'll always want more. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never be happy. Jesus is saying, please don't love money. It's never going to do you any good. Use money, yeah, by all means use money for good purposes, but don't love money. It's never going to make you happy. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but, verse 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. So, yeah, as you bless other people, you store up treasures in heaven. You do something which is of eternal value. It's a treasure in heaven because you bless somebody else and you bless yourself. You give and you break the addiction to money that's in your heart. As you give, you're breaking that addiction. And your soul is the better for it. You're building up treasures in heaven. When you get to heaven, your soul will, well, the kingdom of heaven is within you. The goodness of heaven is in your soul as you give. You break that corrosive influence of money in your heart. Yeah, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where you put your money, that is the giveaway. That no matter what you say, what you do with your money shows where your heart is really at. Let me give you an example. Um, there's nobody here called Herbert, is there? Okay, good. Let's use a fictitious example. Um, a Christian brother called Herbert. And yeah, he would tell you that he loves God with all his heart. Herbert will tell you that uh, he loves his neighbor as himself. But, but what does Herbert do with his money? Interesting. It turns out Herbert is an Arsenal supporter. 
Okay, now. Are, are there any Arsenal supporters here today? Oh, I'm supposed please, please don't take this personally. <laughs> the only one, yes, indeed, yes. So, um, please, this isn't intended to be any personal criticism of you, okay. <laughs> I thought there wouldn't be any Arsenal supporters, you see. <laughs> but anyway, there's no one called Herbert, so that's good. Right. So imagine Herbert, he says he loves God, he says he loves his brothers and his sisters, but um, yeah, he's big into Arsenal. And he's bought the home kit, cost him 50 quid, he's bought the away kit. He travels all over the country going to the matches. You know, he spends a small fortune on going to watch Arsenal playing. Um, he spends a lot of his time and his money traveling. The, the gate tickets cost him a fortune. He's even got an autographed portrait photograph of David Luiz, which cost him a couple of hundred quid. Yeah, he shelled out a couple of hundred quid on eBay to get this autographed photograph of David Luiz, you know. What about his giving to God? Well, you know, when he remembers, when he thinks about it, he chips in the odd fiver here and there, you know, when he remembers. But he spends all his money on, on Arsenal, you know. So what, what is the love of his life? What does he love? Yeah, he doesn't really love God, yeah? So, yeah, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So it's all about where is your heart. It's all about love. So what do we say to a new Christian? Well, I think what we say to them is we, we're not interested in your money, okay? It's not about the money. Um, does God need money? God doesn't need money. God is sovereign. God can do what he wants, when he wants. God doesn't need money, you know. God is above all that. The, the church isn't in the business of getting money. Or this church, or all good churches, they're not in the business of getting money. The, God, the church is in the business of mending people's souls. And no matter how together somebody might appear, if they don't know God, then their soul needs mending. Yeah? The church is in the business of mending broken souls. You know, we don't give two, so you're talking to a new Christian. We don't give two hoots about your money. We're not interested in your money. We want to mend your soul. You know, and the only part and parcel of that, though, we do want to break the corrosive hold that money has in people's lives. You know, Satan is horrible satan is very clever satan is a great liar satan has ways of corrupting people's souls one of his favorite tricks is is, is money you know money is a way in which he corrupts people and it, it's as we give and we escape from that one of satan's little tricks Could we go on to Acts chapter 4, please, Andrew? Right, okay. 
Now, Acts chapter 4, this is a mega exciting part of the Bible. To put it in its historical context, Jesus died, Jesus was crucified, and Jesus rose again. He was dead and he rose again. Hallelujah. So what we read about here in Acts chapter 4, it's in the weeks and the months immediately following the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And this was a powerful, powerful time. Let's read what it says. Let's start at verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. When did that last happen at one of your prayer meetings? Yeah. So they had a prayer meeting and it shook. The whole room shook. Wow. Yeah. This, these are magnificent times of the outpouring of God's spirit, God's power. They prayed and the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. God is moving in power. Okay. And what comes along with God moving in power? Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Yeah, let's hang on to that for a moment. It's good. We're one. We are one in heart and mind. Yeah. We're one. I am one in heart and mind with you guys. And when Christians ever disagree about something, sometimes it's we can agree to disagree. That's okay. We're not um, clones. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. But hey, deep down, we are one in heart and mind. We put aside our egos to be one in heart and mind. Yeah, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Hallelujah. Yeah, so these are the days, like I say, shortly after the resurrection of Jesus. And I love the bit, verse 33, verse 33. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just so amazing. So the apostles, you know, Peter and John and Andrew, the apostles, they were with Jesus. Yeah, they spent all those three years living and walking, being with Jesus. They saw everything Jesus did. And they saw him die, yeah? They watched him die. And they were heartbroken. And then three days later, they saw him alive. 
and they walked with him and they talked with him and they ate with him. Jesus cooked for them. Yeah. Jesus cooked them, cooked them some fish, grilled fish on the beach that they had just caught. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Power, yeah, wow, power. That is just such big power. Just as you read those words, you can sense the power. These men who had actually seen Jesus risen from the dead. And here we are in the book of Acts, chapter 4. We're just a few weeks after that event. The power of God is manifest. And what goes along with that great power, that great love? Well, sharing. It seems as though sharing and giving was part and parcel of the power and the love of God. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. They shared everything. They shared everything. That's part of the power of God. They shared everything. Let's go down to verse 34. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as he had need. Yeah, sharing. Part of the love of God is sharing. I'd like to commend my friends, Andrew and Rachel, because they love the people of God and they share a lot. Don't you? <laughs> and yeah, they're always sharing. They're sharing their lives. They're sharing their house. And uh, yeah, they're always inviting people around to their house for meals. They've got big, wide open hearts. Don't be embarrassed. It's okay. <laughs> They've got big, wide open hearts because they have the love of God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the guys in the book of Acts were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they shared. And these guys, Andrew and Rachel, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So they share. Thank you. <laughs> and we're grateful. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Richard and Susie, who sadly have moved to Derby now, but uh, a lot of you guys will remember Richard and Susie. And uh, Richard and Susie went to Australia for a month to um, visit relatives. And they, they, they gave me their car for a month. They just said, hey, you know, you're on the insurance now. You can use our car. You know, Just there's that generous sharing heart. You can use my car. Um. Yeah, I won't allude to the Beatles song there, but yeah, they said, <laughs> you can drive our car, you know. And th this is how the Holy Spirit works. He comes among us as a body of believers and we share. We're not selfish, we share. Yeah. Could we go on to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please, Andrew? we're doing now we're looking at the book of second corinthians <clears throat> in terms of time we're winding the clock forwards 20 years or thereabouts um so the first church was in jerusalem and that was where we read about in the book of acts the first church in jerusalem 
And now, 20 years have gone by and there have been church plants. They have planted out churches throughout the eastern Mediterranean, the countries we now call Greece and Turkey. There were many churches planted out in all those countries. Um, <clears throat> one of those churches was in Corinth, which, as you all know, is in modern day Greece. So this is a church in Greece, as we call it today, in the city of Corinth. And so Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, writes this letter to the Christians in Corinth. Um, and what's happened is that in Jerusalem, in the original church, there's now a famine. Uh, they're on hard times. People are literally going hungry. They, they need help because they haven't got any money, they haven't got any food, and they need support. And now Paul is writing to the new church plant in Corinth, and he's saying, look, please, we need some help here. P please, will you give some help? Please, will you share what you can? So, yeah, um, verse 7 here. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Also, could we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12, please, uh, Andrew? Thank you. Yeah. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Okay. Sorry to be a pain, Andrew. Could we just flip back to 2 Corinthians 9 again? Thank you. Okay. So giving, it's a heart issue. It's to do with your heart. It's to do with the love in your heart. Each man or woman uh, should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver, that's actually a very important thing to grasp. When we give, God wants us to be cheerful <laughs> because it's got to be out of love. You've got to give out of love. If you're not giving out of love, then it, God's not really interested. God, God doesn't want you to give out of compulsion. God doesn't want you to um, give reluctantly. It's what you have decided in your heart to give. So I'm afraid as we speak to new believers, there is no formula if they ask, well, how much money should I give? There is no formula. We can't really answer that question. Because <laughs> um, it says here, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So what we say to the new believer, we say, well, you give whatever you've decided in your heart to give. You know, Nobody can tell you that you must give. Nobody can tell you how much or how little you should give. You must decide in your heart. But you've got to be cheerful, yeah? 
You've got to give cheerfully because in your heart, you love your brothers, your sisters. You love God more than anything else and you want to give. So as I say, the church is in the business of, of bringing life to people's hearts, of shedding God's love into people's hearts. And the outworking of that love will be that they will want to, to give. Giving is part of loving. You know, as new believers learn how to love, they will learn how to give. But like I say, you can say to your new believing friends, you know, we don't really want your money. <laughs> we just want to mend your soul. Yeah. But, you know, but as your soul is mended, you will see that loving and giving, loving and giving, they're all part of the same thing. If you want, you know, you want treasures in heaven, if you want to do your own soul good as well as doing others good, you will want to give. Yeah. And if we could just flip back to 2 Corinthians 8 again, please, Andrew. Sorry to keep chopping. Yeah. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. It's got to be willing. And there we are. You must give according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So you can tell your Christian, your new Christian friends, if you haven't got it, you can't give it, you know. Don't feel bad about not giving anything if you haven't got anything. Stands to reason, doesn't it? You can't give it if you haven't got it. Yeah, yeah. God loves a cheerful giver, yeah? So please, whenever you give, be, be cheerful, yeah? Giving should be a, a matter of great joy for you to give because you're giving out of love. And like I say, it's doing your soul good when you your, when you give your eternal soul. Okay, so I don't think that scripture gives us any instructions, any formula about how much to give, but scripture does give us some important instructions, you know, about the process of giving, if you like. Um, Matthew chapter 6, please, Andrew. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Right. So these are the words of Jesus. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, notice when you give to the needy, not if you give to the needy, but when you give to the needy, there is an assumption that. We will want to give to the needy. <clears throat> when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Yeah, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So how do we give? We give in secret. That is a very important spiritual principle that we give in secret. 
Let's look again at verse 2. We look again at verse 2. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. So you know the expression, somebody's blowing their own trumpet. Yeah. If somebody's blowing their own trumpet, that's how we say that. They say, hey, look at me. Look at me. Aren't I wonderful? They're blowing their own trumpet. So please, when you give, it's not to inflate your ego. Never fall into the trap of inflating your own ego when you give. Because that's, the Bible says that is hypocrisy. We should give in secret. Let's um, imagine our fictitious friend Herbert once again. Now, Herbert, you'll be pleased to know, he's had a bit of a change of heart. And um, he's decided he really shouldn't be spending hundreds of pounds buying autographed photographs of uh, Mesut Ozil on, on eBay. Um, he's not, exactly. <laughs> That's right, yes. Um, he's decided he shouldn't be spending hundreds of pounds following Arsenal around the country. He's decided he needs to really to focus on ministering to the saints. <clears throat> There's uh, somebody in the church, another church member called George. Anybody here called George? No, nobody here called George. Oh, well, George, not Georgina, but George, male George, if that's right with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Funny, I thought there's no George. I forgot about your Georgina, so I didn't think of you as George. I'm very sorry. <laughs> oh dear. Right, yes, anyway. Um, so, George is in a bad financial situation. Uh, he can't afford to pay his rent. Yeah, uh, He's lost his job. He can't afford to pay his rent. He needs some money. Um, now, our imaginary friend Herbert, he feels, you know, he's repented of wasting all his money on supporting Arsenal. <laughs> and our, our imaginary friend Herbert, he feels moved to help George by giving him some money. How should he do it? Well, cheerfully, yes, he should do it cheerfully. And also, I think in a, we read in Acts chapter four that the money was laid at the apostles' feet. And then the apostles distributed the money to people who needed it. That's the spiritual principle. Jesus here says that your giving must be in secret. Where was it now? Verse 4, Matthew 6, verse 4. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. Your giving, so that your giving may be in secret. You mustn't blow your own trumpet. Your giving must be in secret. So, and I think in our modern day church context, we don't sort of lay the money at the apostles' feet as such. But yeah, um, Herbert would go and find the church treasurer and he would say, yeah, church treasurer, I would like to give a gift to George. Yeah, um, here's 400 pounds, 500 pounds, whatever. I really feel moved. I'm not going to, buy a season ticket for Arsenal this year instead. I feel moved to help George. So he would give the money to the church treasurer and say to the church treasurer, please, will you pass on my gift to George? 
And then, yeah, George will give that money to, no, sorry, sorry. The church treasurer <laughs> will give that money to George. Uh -huh. George will not know where that money came from. As far as George is concerned, that money just came from the church. George doesn't need to know who gave him the money. It's in secret. Yeah, it's anonymous. George is in need. It says in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, it said, there were no needy people among them. When the Holy Spirit moves in power, when God's love is shed abroad, there were no needy people among them. And yeah, so our, our friend George, he receives the money that he needs. He knows it comes from the church. He doesn't need to know who gave it to him. Because that, that would be wrong, really. Because if you know who gave you the money, it's like you owe somebody something. And we, we shouldn't have to owe anybody anything, you know? We shouldn't feel that anybody else has any influence over us, yeah? Because when you give money, you have influence. And we don't want to get influence for ourselves. We just want to give out of our heart of love. It's very important that when we give, it's in secret, that it's anonymous. Okay. And of course, yeah, our imaginary friend Herbert, he's given that money. He, has, he now has treasure in heaven, yeah? Treasure in heaven, which means he's blessed. He's blessed George. And also his, he will feel the good of it in his own heart, that in his own heart, he knows he's living for God, that the love of God is in his heart. He's, he's edified his own heart. Hmm. Okay, just to say that, <clears throat> you know, we, we all know about that famous scripture, um, the love of money is the root of all evil, which is true. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money can be useful, yeah? Money is useful. It's like food is useful. Cars are useful. Money is useful. But if we start loving cars or loving food or loving money, that's when it all goes pear-shaped. It's the love of money which is the root of all evil. Um, the Bible commends work. You know, the work ethic is a biblical ethic. We are encouraged to work. And if in God's grace, you have a good job, and if that good job pays you good money, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's like that money doesn't really belong to you. You know, the fact you had that, the fact you've got that good job is all down to God's grace. The fact you earn your money every, every month it's God's grace. God, God gives, God takes away. That that money belongs to God. So, you know, you, you don't, don't call it your own. As it said in Acts chapter 4, nobody called what he possessed his own. If God's blessed you with money, then hold that money loosely. You know, don't hold it to yourself. Don't be like Gollum, the character from the Lord of the Rings. You know, and he was very possessive. He said, it's my own. It's my precious. 
You know, and that possessiveness corrupted Gollum's soul and made him into a twisted person. Yeah, possessiveness. So please don't be like Gollum. Don't say it's mine, it's my own. Be a cheerful giver. If God blesses you with money, then be a cheerful giver. Yeah, give, giving is, you know, please, as we said right at the beginning, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor, love your brother, your sister as yourself. Cheerfully give. And of course, we don't just give money, we give our time. Time is precious. And please make time to listen to people. Um, so it's not just about money, it's just about being generous with your time, with your love. Yeah, give people your love, give people your attention. I mean, we're all, we're all busy, but in some ways it's difficult to give people time. But if you love people, give them your time as well.